0: Howdy, I'm Grover Elliott, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Warp and Wolf. This is episode 1.0 in this opening two part series I'm calling Reconciliation. As this is the first episode of the podcast, I'm going to start at the beginning by covering the form, function, and objective. But first, to help you decide if you are in the right place, this podcast is more about learning how to think rather than what to think. There are enough places out there that you can be told what to think. I mean, you can think, right? You don't need some anonymous Yahoo telling you what to think. Think for yourself. Now, is this podcast going to be political? Well, it's not meant to be. But as everything seems to be political these days, it has to be to some extent. But the intent is to make life easier and less stressful for you, and to bring people back together, or at least set the tone for it. Our contemporary political process seems to be having a tremendously negative effect on not only our national family, but our personal families and friendships. In short, it's tearing the fabric of this country apart. We are pushed from every direction to instantly choose one way or the other. Nearly every article you read or broadcast you view, or podcast you hear, pulls at your emotions. They're designed to anger you, scare you, or just plain get you excited over something that has nothing to do with your life. It started with the local news going into gory detail about a murder that occurred in a part of town you've never been to involving people you never knew existed. They pushed this on you, turning you into some deranged voyeur of other people's despair so that you would be emotionally invested enough to stay tuned until the weatherman detailed a storm that may or may not occur 1,500 miles from where you live. Then on to a story about how daylight savings time was going to cause the entire planet to collapse under the weight of mass confusion. And really, Congress should do something about it before, wait, there's breaking news about that storm. Yeah, completely ridiculous. But that's where it started, pushing you to pick a side and pitting the sides against, well, who? Themselves? An imaginary other side? The internet doesn't help a bit. Whether it's social media or so-called news sources, we are pushed to make a rash judgment, to take a side, one way or the other, never our own, on every little detail, national, local, or personal. Your social media account is filled with friends that will instantly agree with and confirm any stance you take, no matter how ludicrous or hate-filled or contrarian it might be. Go ahead, give it a try. Comment sections on serious subjects and stories are filled with vitriol for or against, with no real considerations, just pre-programmed responses. We are being manipulated and conditioned. The nuances of life and liberty are being lost, lost forever if we don't do something to stop it. I said the intent of this podcast was to make your life easier and less stressful. Let me give you a freebie before we go any further. Every election cycle, we're told it's the last election between success for this nation and total ruination, the last chance for saving our country from the other side. I've lived through a lot of election cycles in my life, and they say that every time. And there have been times that I bought into it. And yet... Every time I woke up the next morning, disappointed or not, and went to work and lived my life, we all kept going. I'm not suggesting that the vote we cast in an election is not important, that critical considerations aren't on the table. I'm just saying that this nation, unlike the political life of any particular candidate, is not wholly dependent upon the outcome of any single election. Life will go on. The sun will shine. The birds will sing. No matter what the election coverage pundits suggest. They do that to get you to tune in. That emotional investment. As if guy A getting elected is going to change your life. Bring you more money. Reverse all the ills. Nope. Not going to happen. Oh, he could bring some changes. Positive or negative. But you are going to keep going. You're going to keep living your life. Why? Because life exists outside of their bubble, no matter how they want us to feel about it. So take that artificial stress off your shoulders. That woman trying to get extra favors in an elected office has much more invested in this than you do. You won't be getting any kickbacks. You won't be receiving any juicy post-elected office job offers from this election, she will. So don't be so worried about it. Relax and live your life. Now, this isn't to say you should ignore politics. Never get to the point where you think you are above it all and do not need to participate. Hey, I'm above dog poop, but I still have to look out for it if I want to avoid stepping in any. And I don't want you to be scared about discussing politics, or even the term politics. I'm not here to convince you to belong to one party or another. I gave up on political parties decades ago. My guess is that while listening, one minute you will shout out, Yeah! Right on! The next, you might accuse me of being a spineless hippie. And the next, a right-wing kook. Don't worry, that's just the point we've reached in this country. Fortunately, I'm not afraid to be an individual. I can take it. And I'll tell you something else. I truly do not believe we are as different as we think or are led to think. I think the American ideals are still solid and still held by most of us. We're just confused on how to reach them. And for good reason, we'll get into I'm not going to tell you whether I'm a liberal or a conservative. I'll let you come up with your own label for me. Besides, I don't really even know what those terms mean anymore. I'm not sure we're guided by principles, but rather by reactions. Defend my guy, no matter what he says or does. Denigrate the other, no matter what she says or does. Does that make me sound like I'm in the middle of the road, undecided, a fence-sitter? Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I quit watching the news several years ago in preparation for this project. I wanted to reset, recenter my thinking, take back control of it. I'd like to think I'm true to my principles. I don't allow others to define them, and I trust that you don't either. Or you are at least tired of others trying to. I used to belong to a gym that showed CNN and Fox News on giant side-by-side televisions. They had the sound down, so you couldn't hear anything. But watching the images, you'd be hard-pressed to tell they were covering the same country. Rarely did they choose to cover the same stories, but when they did, when a story was too big to be ignored, you'd have a hard time telling they were covering the same story because of the, the slant, one way or the other, of the coverage. It was so obvious how they were pandering to the audience, then manipulating the viewer into getting emotionally invested in some made up conspiracy. It was very transparent and very disappointing, not just because of what was being pulled over on the viewer, but the thought of how many actually just passively go along with it. Passively and yet angrily. <laughs> That's how it works. You watch a sporting event or an action movie to be titillated, to be thrilled, to stay on the edge of your seat, not even pulling away to answer the door, go to the bathroom, or help your wife out the door with her suitcases. And that's the formula that politicians, our rulers, and their minions, the media, have taken up. When is the last time you remember hearing a fact-based news story that left you to think to ponder, to consider the possibilities. I bet it's been so long you can't even remember. Every one of them tells you what to think by throwing inflammatory terms and half-truths in front of you, Like, like so many poisoned breadcrumbs to lead you to doom, despair, and higher ratings. Have you ever heard the phrase, to bury the lead? This is a journalism term referring to failing to get the most enticing part of the story, the, the meat, into the lead or opening paragraph. In our modern tabloidesque existence, the meaning of that phrase has been well turned on its head. I'm not sure the modern editor could even recognize the lead. They're, they're so shallow. It's all about the pithy phrase, the snarky comment, the link line to entice you to click followed by several misleading paragraphs with the actual story, some semblance of fact, buried, or or never even dug up in the first place, in the last two or three paragraphs. I recently came across a typical example of this. Garbage headline reports that a Today Show host snaps, I don't need that, and walks off after a flirty guest gets up close and personal live on the air. Okay, there's your clickbait. I don't normally read trash like this, but I could tell it would make a great example. In reading the story, it becomes obvious the so-called headline was a collection of half-truths taken out of context, designed to get the online scroller to read a story, which is to say a digital billboard, that is written in much the disingenuous way. It's not enough that you are lied to like some carnival barker in front of the freak show tent they have to keep lying to get you to scroll past as many ads as possible. The story chops up the action to lead the reader to believe the host turned on a guest during a segment on gift ideas, starting with two additional headlines to perpetuate the lies. In reality, I don't need that was what the beardless host answered when the guest suggested He may need a beard wash and oil gift set. Then the guest sprayed the host with a cologne. He backed away before smelling it and admitting he enjoyed it. And as far as the walking off, reading the last paragraph or two of the article, you're welcome, that was extremely painful, but hey, I'm dedicated to my job. Reading all the way to the end of this garbage, it's revealed that his walking off was actually just him going to the end of the table to bump to the next segment after the other hosts had gone through their respective gift ideas. I know this is just a fluff piece, but it's typical of every article you read, online or in print. Give it a try. Read a few from beginning to end, and you'll see. The lead has been redefined for you. The first 7, 10, 12 paragraphs are designed not only to manipulate you seeing more ads, but also to hide and obscure the truth, to make you feel one way or the other, to control what you think. You have to go digging for the truth, if it's even there. If you're going to read any news articles and feel you have to skip a few paragraphs for time's sake, skip the first few paragraphs, if you must. But read to the end. We'll call it mining for the lead. It's buried every single time. So watch out for the manipulation phrases, the poisoned breadcrumbs. They're always right up front to lead you astray. Not here. We're above that. We're smarter than that, right? I'm sure a consultant would advise me that this is the fast track to the bottom of the ratings heap, but but I'm sick of being jerked around by these people and told what to think, and I trust that you are too. I hope that during the course of this podcast, you seriously and deeply question the news source you currently trust or rely upon, as well as the direction of the party you belong to, no matter what party it may be. That being said, I'm not getting down into the weeds to talk about house bill this or executive order that. We're here to look at the bigger picture. To ease your mind or trepidation, let's start by defining politics. Politics is merely the science of people's behavior and how to control it. Simple as that. In other words, politics is the study of how to, A, affect how group members relate to one another, and B, learning how to control their behavior for any number of different goals. In other words, it's how the powers that be keep you where you are and keep themselves somewhere out of your reach. You might find any number of more academic or even noble definitions, but let's face it, those are poppycock. We know the truth. And if you're denying it, you're probably part of the national politics. Now, the form of this podcast, it's going to start off with monologues. We'll have guests later, but for the first part, it's just going to be you and me getting to know one another. I'm working heavily from notes at first because this first part is covering some very specific information. It's recorded in series, so listen in order. Each episode will cover a specific subject matter. And I'm I'm aiming for timelessness in nature here. The first bit will be about us, you and me. The next bit will be about our country. Now the function. As I said, I'm not here to tell you what to think. There are plenty of places to go online or the airwaves or television to be told what to think. I'm here to try to teach and encourage you how to think for yourself. An audacious statement. I know. Who are you to teach me how to think? Well, I'm nobody. I don't make the claim that I'm going to teach you how to think for yourself lightly. So, what makes me think I can? Am I more intelligent than you? Absolutely not. Am I smarter than you? <laughs> You'd better hope not. I really don't know that many things. Was there a qualification test? Well, I had to learn to produce a podcast. I'm not an academic, uh, a philosopher, an expert, a scientist, a, a prophet, or a saint. I'm just a guy named Grover. So what's the source of my hubris? Well, people tell me I have a knack for breaking complex concepts down to basic, simple truths. Uh, how do my friends put it? Um, I'm, I'm quite simple-minded. I'll let you be the judge of that, but I want to use that so-called talent to work on how we think. The objective of this podcast, in a word, reconciliation. That's defined as the restoration of friendly relations. And it indicates more than one person or group of people. But who? Well, to start with, you and me. Even though we don't know each other, in today's climate, there's a good chance we don't like one another. And that goes for our neighbors, former friends, and likely many more than a few of our family members. We want to reconcile ourselves, then go for a larger group. Together, families, neighborhoods, places of work, communities. Then, well, we the people, all of us. Look, if you've been even half-awake in the United States the last few years, you, you realize that the schism that's always existed between us and them, between we and the powers that be, has become just the right and the left, as defined by, well, who? Not us. Nope, we've been convinced that it's left or right, good or evil, this way or that. And Dr. Seuss might point out, that the is and the that's do not get along, ever. Because there are those who gain and maintain their power by making sure the is and that's never do get along. Ending that is our objective. I'm not obtuse enough to think we've always seen eye to eye as a nation. We went through a revolution without complete buy-in. Thirty years after that, we had to defend ourselves from the same foe, again without complete buy-in. Two score and six years later, we were into it with ourselves. That nearly destroyed us, but we eventually rebuilt and we got mired down in internationalism versus isolationism, only to pit capitalism against communism and socialism and cronyism, 90% income tax rates, the Vietnam War, disco, for God's sake. We've had our differences and problems, to be sure, and we've made it through time and time again. So what's the difference this time? Well, today, I fear we're reaching a point of no return. We're approaching the point where the fabric of the nation disintegrates rather than getting torn. After all, one can mend a tear. That's where the warp and woof comes in. Warp and woof are textile terms. They are the threads in a woven fabric, the threads that run up and down and across to create the texture you feel, the whole cloth that is our world and our society. While they push and pull against one another, those opposing forces are what give the fabric its strength. But today, there's no pushing and pulling, But a falling apart, a disintegration. What makes me think I can stop this current destruction of our national fabric? Nothing really. No rational thought convinces me that I alone am the kingpin between dissolution and reconciliation. But I have to try. I have to try to do something. We all do. So here we are. To be sure, I. Don't have any more power than you do. And that's troubling. We, the people, are supposed to hold all of the power. But divided, we hold none. We're so concerned about the that's and is that we've lost control over them. The powers that be. So how do we fix this? By stopping the damage. By coming together. By realizing recognizing the fact that we have far more in common than not that's the first objective of this podcast reconciliation we can't be divided and be in control to get that power back to reconcile our rightful position we are going to have to understand this country or at least what it's supposed to be. And we're going to have to figure out how that relates to us as individuals and how we relate to it. To do that, we're going to have to start by understanding ourselves as individuals. And that is precisely where we're going to start with part one. I am, therefore, I think. I know, a little play on Descartes' essay, but I want you to take the title seriously. You exist, and so you think. You must, and you have to believe yourself capable. Consider how much of the seed of the discontent between groups in this country, between you and others, between the this's and that's, was placed in your head by someone else, and not for noble reasons. You're being controlled you're being manipulated. We all are. I'm not foil hat black helicopter control. I'm talking psychological control by people who, quite frankly, don't deserve the credit. It should anger you to realize just how much your emotions and opinions are controlled by others on a daily, even hourly basis. All right. I'm not slipping into controlling your emotions there. <laughs> This section will require homework on your part. It's not an assignment to turn in, but homework just the same. It may take you quite a while and a lot of energy and concentration, but it's very important. I want you to sit in a quiet place and engage in some earnest introspection. Your task, come up with a list of 10 things, phrases, bullet statements, complete sentences if you choose, That describe you as a person, a being, an individual. Think, if, if someone were to come up to you and ask you who you are, beyond just what they can see, who you are, what you stand for, what would you say? I'm going to get you started by telling you my list and explaining each over the next few episodes of the podcast. I don't expect your answers to be the same as mine. In fact, I hope they aren't. Otherwise, we'd make a pretty boring dinner party. And don't get consumed by any differences. It's okay that we think of ourselves differently. You have every right to think of yourself any way you wish, as do I. There are no right or wrong answers, not if they come from you. But this will give you an idea of how to dig how to look for your defining qualities, how to think about yourself. See what I did there? Not what to think about yourself, but how to think about yourself. For our assignment, at the top of my page, I have written, I am. Following that, I have the numbers one through 10 listed. Now, if I didn't mention this before, you will need to prioritize these 10 declarations in the order of importance, how they relate to one another in defining your character. My 10 are as follows I am 1. An individual. This probably says more about what I'm not than what I am. 2. A Christian. Don't be scared here. This is not a religious podcast. But my faith is part of who I am. Think of a religion as a set of principles and guidelines for living life. Rules extrinsic from societal laws. Three, a husband. I'm a partner in my personal life, having ceded some control of my life, but also taken on some control of another's life. Four, a father. I am responsible for children who had no part in coming into this world. A fact that lays no small burden at my feet. Five, a let's just say a citizen of my state. It doesn't matter where. I think we identify with the state where we learned history in school. Now, my formative years were spent growing up in Texas. If your immediate response was, ah, red stater in the positive or negative, That's exactly what we are battling here. So try to put that thought out of your mind. I'll help you as we go along. By the way, I don't currently live there. I've lived in several different states, but I can't deny the effect that growing up in Texas had on my worldview or personality. I've lived in several states, as I said, and visited almost all of the others and found wonderful people and experiences in all of them. And I've also had the opportunity to travel to other countries, which I enjoyed immensely. Six, I'm an American. Being raised an American is a unique experience that brings with it a a certain set of ingrained values and principles. Now, so does being born anywhere else on earth. If you were raised somewhere else, then you probably have a different perspective, and that's okay. And if you immigrated to America by choice, you likely have a completely different appreciations for this country than I have, likely deeply and seriously rooted. Seven, a businessman. I work and I employ people. I'm an active part of this economy. That provides me some insight into how things actually work, and sadly, it Puts me squarely at odds with a growing number of people and self destructive ideologies in this country. Eight. I'm a man. Although I'm biologically male, I don't think of myself in those clinical terms. I'm a man with everything that goes along with that. My definition of it. A Boy Scout. Or at least I was. I know that may raise some possible negative connotations in this day and age, or it may sound like I'm trying to raise myself above others. No, I wasn't an Eagle Scout, or even uh, an especially good Scout, but the Boy Scouts taught me some basic values that guide me to this day. Ten, a human being. I'm not alone on this planet, and that goes in two directions. There are always others to turn to for help, but I must always also be ready to offer that help when it's needed. There is comfort and responsibility in that. One isn't available without the other. Now, I could probably throw my school allegiance in there. My college experience did affect me. Or my career choice. Uh, Men identify greatly with what they do for a living. Or perhaps you're a veteran or a doctor. Anything that really guides the way you act. Your behavior. Now, moving forward, we're going to explore each one of these and look at why it's ranked where it's ranked. I hope that you join me for episode 1.1. I am an individual. And I also hope that you turn someone else onto this series in order for us to reach our objective of reconciliation. I truly believe that once we go through these exercises together, we'll be surprised at just how close we really are. Now, get to work on defining who you are and join me for episode 1.1 I Am an Individual.